Welcome to MCSO Behind the Badge, an inside look at the Monroe County Sheriff's Office in Rochester, New York, under the leadership of Sheriff Todd Baxter. We're going to talk about what drives us, our leadership culture, our police work, and share some stories of the great deputies and civilian staff that work with us. We're going to talk with interesting guests, and we're going to invite you to engage in the conversation or just sit back, relax, and listen in. Now let's get in pursuit of today's show. Welcome to the show today. This is Under Sheriff Corey Brown filling in for the sheriff, uh, taking some much-needed time off. And I have two great guests. I have the Chief Chris Mears and Sergeant Dave Marcucci from the Ogden Police Department. How are you both doing today? Very good, sir. That's some awesome bumper music, by the way. That's awesome stuff. Who does that? Do you know? I, I'd like to say I picked it, but I did not. Okay. <laughs> but it, it is pretty great. Doing well. Thank you. So I thought we'd just start off by allowing you both to introduce yourself. Uh, we'll start with the Chief. Hi, I'm Chris Mears. I am the Chief of Police for the Ogden Police Department. Uh, I've been in law enforcement, well, with the Ogden Police Department for 26 years. Prior to that, uh, I was actually an employee of the Monroe County Sheriff's Office for nine years. I was non-sworn, uh, starting, off, starting off as a deputy sheriff trainee, and then a records clerk, and then the property clerk before I came to Ogden PD. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, law enforcement's been uh, most of my adult life, and, uh, and that's the story of who I am. I really enjoy it. That's awesome. And you know what? I'm amazed by how many people have actually started with the sheriff's office. When I talk oh, to yeah. people, it'll be like, oh, I started as this or that. Or yeah. it's, it's really incredible how many people in law enforcement in Monroe County started with the sheriff's office and branched out somewhere else. Sergeant Dave? Yeah, good morning. Yes, I, I've been 15 years at Ogden Police Department. I've uh, always been with Ogden Police Department. But most people don't know is that I did start off in the sheriff's department as well, non-sworn. I was in the fleet garage uh, as a mechanic. Uh, I started there uh, back in, I think, 1996, 98. Um, so 15 years now, and uh, my dad was also with the Sheriff's Department and retired as a sergeant. That's awesome. And I had the privilege of bringing your class counselor, and one of the things I yes. do take away from the academy is you're always smiling. Throughout the entire <laughs> academy, you always just had a great attitude. It he never a, smiles around the office. I don't know what that's no, about. No, it, it must be the chief. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> So I guess what we're ask about is just Ogden Police Department. You know, it's one of the many police departments in the county. I believe there's 11, and it's uh, one of the ones on the west side. Can you just tell us something about the police department or tell us about the police department and what goes on there? Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a small department uh, in the scope of the, of the rest of the county. We have 15 officers, uh, sworn officers, one in the academy right now. Uh, that includes a, a part-time DARE officer who works in the schools. Uh, in the Spencerport School District, uh, teaching the D.A.R.E. class there, and also kind of acting as a, an ad hoc school resource officer. We have uh, two officers that are part, uh, assigned to part-time road patrol duties, one of them, like I said, being in the academy, and the other one, a retired captain of the Monroe County Sheriff's Office, John Ott. Uh, and, you know, we have a couple investigators that uh, the t their title is Uniform Investigator. Uh, really, uh, investigations is their prime function, but... Being a small department, sometimes we have vacancies and openings on the road that they have to have to fill, so they throw the uniform on and go out and work the road when needed. We have three sergeants uh, and a chief. Um, not a lot of rank structure in a small department, uh, so uh, we're a pretty small operation. We, we do rely heavily on 12 uh, volunteer special police officers. Uh, they're peace officers in the state of New York, but they volunteer their time uh, to come out for special details, parades, uh, check vacant properties and, and vacation properties and things like that. So we rely very heavily on them as well. A couple um, non-sworn personnel, records clerks, property clerk, 
uh, and uh, a, a fleet person who manages our, our fleet of vehicles. Um, so, you know, we're, we're basically community-oriented. Uh, you know, I think community policing is probably a term that is a little overused at this point, uh, but that's what we're about. I mean, the officers in Ogden uh, patrol the Ogden-Spencerport area, and that's all we do. So we know the people and they know us, and I think that, that builds a pretty tight bond between us and the community. Yeah, I think it does give you an opportunity to really have that close relationship with the community because you have more time to do things like that. Right, right. And, you know, some of the uniqueness about a small department is you do have an investigator that may have to take calls for service. And, yeah. And, and you don't think about that. Yep. That, that's kind of uncommon. I think in some larger departments, our investigators do out do go out and take jobs when we're busy. Uh, if we're short, they'll throw the uniform on and go out and work. The sergeants here, uh, in, in addition to having to do their supervisory duties, are also responsible for some patrol duties. Uh, and every once in a while, I have to go out. I'm sure that everybody should grin and go out and work the road one, <laughs> once in a great while just to cover holes in the schedule. I mean, we have sick calls and we have, you know, people who get hurt and people with family issues just like every other department. So we all try to cover for each other and, and just get the job done. Yeah, that's unusual too, right? They have the chief show up on your job with you. It didn't happen much in the city when I worked there. And then yeah. uh, I know the sheriff and I both like to get out a yes, little bit do. and take jobs. Yep. And I hear you guys on the weekends and on, on late at night and, and everything else too. That's awesome. I think the I think the officers, for the most part, enjoy it. <laughs> they probably don't always uh, want to see the sheriff and the undersheriff or the chiefs just show up on a, on a random call. But I think uh, when you get right down to it, seeing us out there uh, with, with the troops, I think it's a good thing. It shows them that we're not asking them to do anything that we wouldn't do ourselves. And I, and I think we all realize, right, that the deputy answering the calls is the backbone of the department, right? No right. matter where you are, answering calls for services is where the bread and butter is. You have to do that, and then you can do other things. Uh, special police, you know, that's not something, especially coming from the city, that we had any of, and I know the sheriff's office doesn't have any special police. How do you hire those? Well, they are volunteers, so they kind of come to us. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an interview, interview process just like any other position. Um, but you talk about a calling. I mean, these are folks who are, are doing some of the same jobs that we're doing uh, on their time, away from their families. Uh, you know, they kind of come to us. Uh, and we do have a chief of that special police department uh, who kind of weeds through the applicants uh, and looks for the, the right personality and the right fit. In a small department like this, you have to have a, the right fit. Um, so it's not very often that they bring uh, somebody new on board, but when they do, you know, there's a, a background interview process just like for a regular police position, and uh, we're just looking for the good fit uh, so that they fit in with the department and can interact well with the community. And then they have to be certified as peace officers through uh, the academy at the training center? Right. There is a special police academy, uh, a peace officer school that is given by our local uh, public safety training facility, and they must successfully complete that before they can go out on their own and get trained further. That's awesome. I mean, it's just tremendous of the people that are willing to do that and do that commitment, I think, for that and volunteer right. firefighters. just Our society succeeds because people are willing to give. Yeah, we really couldn't do it without them. When we have major uh, weather events or... Natural disasters, uh, you know, ice storms, bad wind storms. Uh, these folks leave their families uh, and come and, and help out others, and that's really a tribute to them. So, Dave, I guess uh, the question for you is, why did you choose law enforcement, or how did you get into law enforcement? Was it just from your father and that influence, or was there something else? Well, um, it, I guess it was it was kind of unusual for me because I started off in engineering. Um, I actually, even though growing up in law enforcement, I always had a lot of respect for it. I always enjoyed it. I grew up with a police car in my driveway, and 
Uh, a lot of our, our family friends were police officers, but I never had the initial desire to be a police officer because um, I was always kind of uh, into the engineering and the uh, mechanical aspect. Um, but as I got older, I, I realized that uh, I actually didn't enjoy uh, engineering. It wasn't what I thought it was. Um, and I turned to this career, uh, and I looked into it, and I kind of said, you know, let me give it a try. Uh, and uh, and uh, it actually it worked out really well. It was, a, it was a really good fit for me. And, I, and at this point in my life, at 15 years, I can honestly say I wish I had gotten into it sooner. I'd looked into it more uh, initially. Um, you know, there's a lot of rewards. There's, uh, there's a lot of great things. I remember asking my dad. So I grew up uh, pretty sheltered on the east side, not realizing there was much to a west side. And I remember I got a cover letter from Ogden, and I, I said, I go, Where, where's Ogden? To my dad. And he just looked at me because he worked in C-Zone. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. Um, and he said, if I had to do it over again, you know, he said he loved the sheriff's department, but he says, those guys out there are great. And uh and I liked it, and there's a lot to be said for a, a small-town PD. And I, I think what he was getting at is, as the chief said, you know, we're very family-oriented. We're like a bunch We're like a bunch of brothers and sisters, I think, working together. You know, we have our little quabbles and stuff. It's like, um, um, but we're all, we all know each other. We all work with each other, and, um, and, and it's, it's kind of nice. It's, it's very close, very personal. So, uh, and we enjoy great community support. So um, I, I did it to, uh, to give back. I've always been in some type of volunteer service. I was a volunteer fireman. Um, I was in Boy Scouts as well, did a lot of community service projects when I was younger, so it's an extension of that. Awesome. How about you, Chief? How did you get into police work, and then how did you get into Ogden? And how did you become Chief? Uh, well, I, I got into law enforcement, I think, just like David said. I mean, I was in Scouts as a young man, and it was always about uh, giving back. It was about service projects. It was about um, uh, leaving things better than you found it. Uh, so I, I think... That's been always been a goal of mine. Um, I, I considered law enforcement uh, at a young age. I was, you know, I, I was a big one at M12 or a big Adam 12 uh, fan when I was a little guy. It's probably dating myself, but going way back, watching the, the old police shows, and uh, it just always appealed to me. So I, I gave it a shot. Went to MCC for criminal justice for a couple of years. Uh, when I graduated from there, I got uh, the job as the, as a trainee here with the sheriff's office, and I had the I, I think. The most formative uh, piece of that was actually working in, uh, in Sheriff Maloney's office as a trainee. I worked in his office for two summers, and uh, I just saw how, how that man uh, cared about his community and did all he could to um, bring public service to the next level. Uh, that's back in the uh, total quality management days, um, just absolutely uh, concerned about how his deputies and, and uh, all the personnel that worked here at the sheriff's office gave that high quality service to their uh, to their constituents. Uh, going from there, um, really coming to Ogden was I don't want to say it was really a fluke, but I, I took the, the civil service test for a couple departments. I did pretty well, and uh, it was just through an association that I had made working in the property room. Uh, one of the one of the investigators for Ogden PD said, you know, you're living in Spencerport. If you're interested, you know, you're on our list and we'd love to talk to you. And it was just one thing after another. It just seemed like a good fit for me at the time to, to come to a smaller department. Uh, I, I enjoyed my nine years here at the sheriff's office. They were a great experience for me, good building blocks, I think, for taking that, that um, ideal of service to the community uh, and just applying it to a local department. So, and, and as far as, uh, you know, becoming chief, I think it's just nobody else wanted it, so they gave it to me. I think that's just the way that happened. 
That's uh, what I heard also. Yeah, I just wasn't. I, I, there were no other applicants. I was the only guy. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I became a sergeant after, I think, 11 years on the job. Uh, that was, I mean, the backbone of just about every law enforcement agency is their first-line supervisors. I think sergeants really carry a brunt of the load and responsibility in any department. Uh, that was the most fun I've ever had, working nights uh, well, with Sergeant Marcucci, then Officer Marcucci, and, and a couple of our younger officers. That was really good times. Um, unfortunately, you see people at their worst a lot. Uh, but as a sergeant, I, I think I was able to uh, help facilitate some extra services and, and, and goals for people, but really just shaping the, you know, the, the service of the, of the people that were serving then you know, on, on that night shift with me was really great. Uh, and then it's just good test taking. <laughs> uh, I had the honor to go to the uh, FBI National Academy back in 2009. So I spent 10 weeks down in Quantico, Virginia, um, being, being trained and, and mentored by some uh, really fine instructors from the Federal Bureau, Federal Bureau of Investigation. That was a, a career highlight, uh, a really good time there. And then, you know, just taking the test, working under uh, Chief Doug Norquist, who retired from the Monroe County Sheriff's Office to become our chief uh, while I was still there and, you know, working in, under his uh, guidance and leadership. Uh, he brought a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the same thoughts and ideals that uh, Sheriff Maloney had. I mean, he basically uh, carried over a lot of that um, total quality management type thought, that, that uh, servant leadership type uh, mentality to the, to the Ogden Police Department. I just tried to put that to good use. And here I am. Yeah, and I think that's why we're here, right? We're here to make sure that the deputies and officers on the first line have everything they need so they can right. provide that service, right? Because right? we're here to help the community. We want to make people safer and feel good that we're around, and, and that's really what we're here for is to help the community in that way. You know, I had the pleasure of going to the FBI Academy in 2012, and not only were you able to work out all the time, but just the <laughs> – I was in charge of training in the city at the time, and right across the hall from me was the person in charge of yeah. training for Chicago. So the relationships you built – to build off of to get new ideas right. it, was, it was just an incredible opportunity so I, I think that's a wonderful program that the FBI does for leaders and law enforcement throughout the world that you can come together and really share experiences and not only to get the great instruction from the instructors but just each other and just right. learning and really developing those relationships there's always somebody out there who's done it already or done a piece of whatever project you're working on so when you need help it was really nice to be able to tap into the experience and resources of your, of your classmates um, and everybody's willing to help and uh, you know I still speak to a lot of those folks uh, on a regular basis that I met at the at the National Academy so good stuff it was good good training good uh, connections right I still ask them questions and lots of times you can say I'm thinking about doing this and they can reach back and go no don't do that yeah you don't want to do it that way and like oh <laughs> I didn't think of that I tried that and it didn't work <laughs> so you know it's such a small uh law enforcement community. I know you and I went to supervisor school together. Right. I was uh, Sergeant Marcucci's class counselor. You I'm know really what I mean? sorry we, about that too, by the way. We, we, <laughs> we all integrate together here. It's so close. And one of the things that we do is our departments collaborate all the time. Um, so I don't know if you want to highlight how we work together in the community and how we can work and the things we can do. Uh, well, as the chief had said uh, before, we are a small department, so oftentimes we, we run at our minimums. Um, we, we only have uh, two officers, three officers out, and so we can quickly, uh, with with a, even a minor event, use up who we have on the road. So we rely heavily on um, other uh, C-Zone deputies to back us up, be our backup, um, and in some cases they've had to take calls for us uh, to, to support us, to, to help us out when we're tied up. 
Um, uh, I remember being on nights, that's where I started off. Um, oftentimes I worked alone, and uh, there were deputies there that also kind of became my mentors as well, uh, and I learned a lot from uh, Deputy Donovan uh, was one of them, and Deputy Scacchetti. Those two were my, my main backups. They were pretty much my partners, just like uh, Ogden was, then just because of the way we're structured. So uh, we have a great working relationship with the Sheriff's Department, and they're, they're an extension of us. Uh, we rely on them. And that's in addition, obviously, to uh, if we have major events, you know, for technician services, um, canine services, anything like that, we know we can call, um, just like we call on the special police, and they're there to help us. Yeah, and I think we work together regularly yeah. for what, uh, yeah. whatever it is we can do collectively together. And sometimes yeah. they'll come out and help us if we need it. You know, if a deputy needs yeah. a backup, it goes both ways, and we realize that. And we realize that we're all in this together for the citizens of Monroe County to to watch out for each other and to watch out for them. And I think it's a great position to be in. I know in some other places across the country, law enforcement agencies don't get along as well as we do here. You know, we just have great relationships from the state police all the way down to smaller departments, just interacting and working together to, to come up with solutions. I, I, I don't think people realize in this area how good uh, that relationship is. If you go some areas, and I'm not trying to bash our fellow brothers and sisters in law enforcement, but there are some areas of this state where uh, it's very territorial and it's very turf-oriented. Um, people don't want to help each other because, or they don't want to accept help because it might make them look bad. I think accepting help only helps everybody. So, you know, maintaining that good relationship, maintaining, uh, you know, the fact that we train together uh, is very important in, in keeping us all goal-oriented and helping people like you mentioned before. Yeah, our job has to be to work together, right? We have to be able to work together Absolutely. to help those that we're here to serve. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing now? Um, you know, a public perception is, is a rough one right now. We're very lucky in, in the Ogden-Spencerport area to have overwhelming support from the community. But I think that public perception uh, that has permeated uh, through the media and through some other sources uh, is really working against us. Um, we're working very hard to show the good work that we actually do every day. Um, but I think that's probably our, our primary challenge right now. That and, uh, you know, just the mental wear and tear on our officers uh, hearing this, the negative press and the negative stereotypes every day. I, I know that is wearing on officers, deputies, troopers uh, uh, across the area, across the state. Um, some of the recent legislation has been kind of difficult to deal with. You know, there's a lot of new challenges with bail reform, criminal justice reform in general. Um, it's, any one of the changes that have been made over the last year and a half would have been monumental 10 years ago, and now it just seems to keep coming day after day, the, the big changes day after day, a new change week after week. Um, and there's always the, you know, the challenge of finding good people, um, finding good people who want to do a good job for the right reasons uh, and bring them aboard into law enforcement. That's, I think that's a challenge for everybody right now. What about you on the road as a sergeant working the road? What are some of the biggest challenges you're facing? Well, um, it, it kind of segues right into what the chief was saying. I mean, you know, public perception, but, you know, we actually, uh, we're very fortunate. I tell, I, I have people all the time ask me, like, oh, you know, how, how are you doing or how is it being a police officer right now? And, and I, you know, honestly, um, we, it's, it's, fun. it's good actually, because the community that we're in is, is very supportive and they love us. I mean, they stop in the middle of the road to say, thank you for what you're doing as they're waving and honking out the window. Um, so we're, we're well supported and our, and our job is, um, is well appreciated. Um, 
you know, as a, as a first line supervisor in a smaller department, I guess the, the biggest thing that I deal with, um, right now is, is really scheduling and staffing. And, and that kind of has to do more with, um, uh, you know, we're, we are people, right? We have families, we have commitments, we have kids in sports, um, just like everybody else, you know, so people want their time off, they need their time off, and um, trying to fill those gaps, you know, we, we run at minimums, you know, re resources aren't abundant uh, in the police industry as, as a whole, usually. Um, so trying to stretch out those resources so that we can still provide services to people, quality services, and, and back up the people. Um, I think we have I do think our workload is, is, is heavier, um, and I think there are more jobs that require more officers at the scene, which is also, you know, the days of, of I'll advise on everything or, you know, handle a job by yourself are, are going away and just uh, for, for a number of reasons. It's, it's nice to have a backup there to, to, to watch, but what a lot of people don't realize, too, is, you know, as, as you know from the academy training, you know, sometimes your partner might not be having the best day, and so you need that, the, your other part, you need your partner there to help, help you out to help out with the citizens. So um, I would say that's the biggest challenge is staffing. Um, you know, we, we were talking just before this about body-worn cameras. We have those as well, and, and, and they're actually great. And it kind of goes along with what I'm saying as far as um, I love them because it shows us interacting with people. Talk Sometimes we talk to people for an hour, and people don't really realize and see that unless they watch the video and they know what, what we do um, and the extent that we do it to and, and how everybody, including us, can have, have bad days. Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of a small police department, right, is you have more time for things like that. And Typically, yes. As you mentioned, jobs have, have gotten a lot longer, right? So when, you do a, when you're working a job now, between video and audio and checking all the different places, it can take hours and hours where it used to take a half an hour. Yeah. And now you're on the same job for hours because yeah. of the, just the requirements and all the things that are out there now. I mean, there's video just about everywhere. Everyone's got cameras, and you got to check all of those. So while they're, it's always great to get that crime on camera, it also means that it's a lot more work going into that crime, whatever it may be, a car larceny or somebody breaking into someone's house or something like that. So it just takes a tremendous amount of time. And I do find that, you know, the support for law enforcement, the sheriff and I walked down Lyle Avenue the other day, and I can't tell you the number of cars that stopped and pulled around to say thank you for being out here. I mean, people are supportive of law enforcement. See you there, I mean, they're, they're happy that we're out there. We just yep. got to keep building those relationships and see what we can do to make sure people are comfortable with us and that we're providing the service that we need to provide, which we do. We just got to get that out there and really express that. Yep. Uh, how did you as a small department deal with the coronavirus pandemic? We were pretty lucky. <laughs> uh, I'm going to knock on wood and, and say we hope, hope it's over, but... Uh, you know, we had a few cases, uh, but I, I think we, we got an early jump on it. Um, I, I think we all kind of saw it coming. We took some uh, early precautions, uh, you know, staggering shifts, um, uh, just making sure that people socially distanced early on had, had a lot to do with it. I, I believe the people in our department that we did have uh, end up getting sick. They didn't get sick from a contact at work. It was mostly social stuff outside of work. So... Uh, I, I think we did a pretty good job with it. It was very stressful for a lot of people. Um, but then again, I think some people want to go back to it. <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, and I don't mean I'm not playing lightly on the virus. I mean, uh, there were, it was a little bit quieter for us. I think we, the, we didn't get a lot of the annoyance calls that we, we get now, even in the summer. Uh, when we got called, it was a serious call. Um, but generally, our, our workload actually kind of went down, I think. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, to be followed up so quickly by a summer of, uh, you know, unrest and, and um, protest and things like that was a bit of a shocker for some people. Um, we, we did well. I think we, you know, we managed to keep uh, most of our people healthy all the way through it. Um, you know, it, it meant changing the way we did business. We like to do business face-to-face. We like to do, you know, the personal contact. When we take a report, you know, I always kind of discouraged taking reports over the phone, but it became a necessity either taking it over the phone or FaceTime or however we had to do it. Um, meetings and, and community groups, uh, when they were meeting, it was by Zoom or, or go-to meeting or whatever. And, it, you know, we just had to adapt. You have to be flexible in this job anyway. So I think we're pretty used to making, uh, making on-the-fly adjustments. What about you? What was your perspective being uh, on the road every day and well, it was it was definitely it was it was weird because it was it was it was so quiet. I mean, there was there was no traffic, there was nobody around. You know, there'd be shifts like I, I work the day shift six to two, and and there's never a shift a day shift that doesn't go by where you don't have some calls. And there was there were shifts where we'd have no calls during the day, so it was just odd. And then I I do think that a lot of people, my I, myself, my family included had a realignment of, of what's important to you. And so generally when people called, they really, uh, they needed help. And not to say that people don't need help when they're calling before, but a lot of the smaller things, a lot of the more of the nuisance type stuff, people realize that, you know what, that really isn't as big of a concern. So um, so I think there was a shift in the type of calls that we handled. Um, um, but but aside from that, again, everybody stayed healthy. So from a staffing perspective, it was actually a little bit easier because we didn't have as many calls. So we didn't have people getting tied up. You know, one of the things we did in the sheriff's office is obviously everything changed how we met and how we did all kinds of different things. Is there, we looked at anything that we could stop doing, anything that from this virus that we had to stop doing because of the pandemic that we could continue to stop doing. Was there anything that came out in, in Ogden, any meetings that maybe weren't as necessary as you originally thought or meetings that you could do remote that you didn't weren't doing before or ways to interact with the public that wasn't happening before? I can't really think of anything. The only, I mean, we were always big on having the office open uh, to citizens from 8.30 in the morning until 4.30 in the afternoon. That was, that was like the golden rule up until uh, COVID-19 hit. Uh, I think when people saw businesses and government buildings closed for a while, uh, and then as we slowly started to reopen, that was not quite as important to people. When they call on the phone, they want somebody to answer the phone, and we were able to accommodate that. Um, but I think actually showing up, uh, opening the door, and walking into the lobby is not uh, as important to people now as it used to be. Um, older folks, they want to come in and they want to see somebody face-to-face, and they want to talk to somebody, and, and we totally get that. But I think, uh, you know, the days where... You would automatically assume if you walk into some place, it's going to be open. I think, I think those days uh, have changed quite a bit. I, I don't think everybody has that expectation. I think they'll either call first or check a website first or what have you, and maybe try to handle it over the phone before they come in and try to do that in person. I think that's one of the biggest changes I saw. It's probably the only one that I can think of. Yeah, uh, we really we run slim anyway. We run pretty thin. We, you know, there aren't a lot of extraneous <laughs> meetings or, or any of that stuff that. A lot of our stuff is face-to-face anyway, so we just, you know, we just had to do a lot of it over the phone. And I think it gave us another way to interact with people, that right. they found another comfortable way so that they could get a hold of us so we could answer their questions. Or, right. Yeah, a lot of lots of times it's just a simple question that they're trying to get an answer mm-hmm. to, and so how do they actually have that opportunity? Social media helped out a lot with that, too. We have a, a, several really active social media accounts, and I would get a lot of inquiries 
uh, over social media. Now, we don't take any complaints or, or respond to emergencies from a social media inquiry, but I think people were more likely to make an inquiry, are you open now? Can I do this? Uh, do you offer this service? They were able to do that a little more through our social media accounts. So those have, those have been more active since COVID-19 started. So, you know, I'd really like to thank both of you for being here. So we'd like to end the podcast with oh. the no Miranda zone. So you don't have the right to remain silent. <laughs> uh, there's, and anything you do say will be recorded and used against you at any time. Awesome. This is awesome. perfect. So I guess for you, Chief, we'll start with you. What was your favorite 70s TV sitcom? Oh, Adam 12. Oh, so, oh sitcom. 70s sitcom. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wow, I can't even, it was so long ago, I can't even remember, I'm an old guy, I can't remember back in the 70s. Well, Brady Bunch, I guess. Brady Bunch? I was just a little kid, yeah, Brady Bunch. Sorry, Dave. That's all right. So Dave, 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 for you, if you could only describe yourself, see, I went by age, I used you for the 70s, and for you, if you could only describe yourself by a hashtag, what would it be? I've got several. Can I speak here, please? Oh, and if you don't means, answer, the chief will be more, more than oh, happy. Oh, by all I'd be curious to see what his answer is, actually. I'd love to see what it is. It's probably pretty close. Uh, for someone who's actually not very social media oriented, it's kind of interesting that you choose the, the hashtag, because uh, I still want to call it a pound sign. That's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hashtag not with it. Yeah, that would be a good one right now. You know, I wasn't expecting that. You, you said sitcom, so I was starting to think about it. i got to think of a show. <laughs> I didn't make it easy for no, you. No, you didn't. Um, I would say dependable. I honestly, I do like to think that people can depend on depend on me. If they ask me to do something, I might not get it done as quick as it, it needs to be done, but I do like to think that I'm dependable. Awesome. And with that, we really just want to thank both of you for coming. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege to learn more about Ogden and how we can always work together to make our community safer. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. It's been great. Thank you, Chair. Thank you for listening to this episode of MCSO Behind the Badge. In between episodes, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Monroe Sheriff NY. Until next week, be safe.